everyone. Welcome to DS30. I'm Michael Cullen. And I am Ana Hochivar. And today's episode is going to be a little bit special. Michael and I are here by ourselves today, and we are going to talk about some of the key business skills that every data scientist should have. So we thought it would be very interesting to some of our data scientist listeners or any prospective data scientists uh, to learn more about what are the things that you should know that are not technical, but that relate to the business. So let's jump right in. All right, so one of the places I like to start here is you know, how we talk about data science, um, you know, how we relate it, you know, how do we have the business in mind, um, you know, whether we're at the interview stage um, or just in our work in general. And one of the biggest ideas here is you know, as industry data scientists, uh, we're not just working with other data scientists, other scientists, you know, people in academic positions, um, but we have to you know, collaborate with um, you know, a much more broad uh, you know, set of people in different roles. And so a really big thing is how do we communicate complex ideas uh, clearly, you know, in an accessible way that people can actually do something with. This is something that, you know, again, for the interview stage, but also just in our work in general, you know, one thing I recommend is when it comes to, you know, picking up information about machine learning, for instance, really any of the things we do in data science, uh, don't just get this from academic sources, right? It's not always helpful to have the most formal explanation of how some model works um, or of how some particular technique works or, you know, examples in academic settings of how people have applied those techniques. Rather, I like to recommend, you know, a much more broad set of sources, things like blog posts about you know, some new technology that is being used, uh, tutorials for building certain types of models. Um, but in particular, tutorials that are sort of, you know, build your first machine learning model for more, often a more general audience, you know, people who may not have a really, really strong or formal background in statistics or math, data science, um, and these sorts of subjects. Um, and I recommend this not because you, know, you necessarily need to read something this way, um, but rather you know, when you read these sources, when you sort of engage with this kind of material, you get a feel for how people describe all of these really complex ideas, um, again, in ways that are gonna be usable for other people, other audiences. I think this is a really good advice. And um, sort of this communicating complex ideas clearly is something that comes up, um, as we said, already in the interview stage in lots of ways. So um, when you are interviewing, it is not uncommon that you might be asked about your previous work. So if you have a PhD or a master's, you might be asked, what was your PhD research about? Um, so you might be tempted to start talking about your research in depth, but keep in mind that a question like that actually is not asking you to talk about your research in depth. Instead, it's really testing how you can communicate very complex ideas and whether you can do that kind of clearly and keep in mind what the other person understands. So a don't here would be, right? So if I were to talk about my research uh, that I used to do, a don't would be uh, to answer with something like, I analytically computed the fourth term of the entropy in a tension-based model of simple epithelial tilings. And my model included cortex tension and adhesion, and I computed shapes of ground states, right? This is 
this is not going anywhere. So a do would be how you want to answer such a question is really keep it simple and communicate only what's relevant. So something like, um, I worked on a problem relating to shapes of cells in tightly packed tissues. It involved a lot of numerical simulations. I also worked with data, and then you can go into a bit more depth about the skills maybe that you use for that. But really, um, yeah, trying to keep in mind who you're talking to. Michael, do you maybe have any uh, of your own experience regarding this question? Yeah, I definitely do. And, you know, I, I think another thing that you, you know, sort of allude to in, in these two answers is that, uh, you know, in your sort of your do rather than your don't, you give a, a quick overview of like the, the context or the domain of the problem. Um, but then you went into, you know, generally, what does that involve? What, what transfers from there? Um, and, you know, like you said, like what skills are involved? Um, and I think that's a really great setup. You know, we don't want to entirely skip the nature of the problem we're doing. Um, we want to, you know, get someone interested in it. Um, but it's probably pretty likely. I mean, I don't know a lot about um, pension-based models of whatever you were <laughs> getting into with these cells, but probably the case that that's not the sort of problem that you're working on, you know, at the potential job you're interviewing for. Um, you know, similarly, like, I wouldn't want to come into an interview like this and say, oh, well, you know, I used bootstrap methods to, you know, perform error controlled model selection using like information criteria by approximating the distributions of, you know, differences of, you know, of those information criteria. This is not the sort of thing that is going to track with somebody. Uh, at this point, that research was a few years back. It hardly tracks with me anymore. Um, but, you know, if you come in there and, and I would probably want to say something like, well, I wrote software uh, that helps scientists test between multiple explanatory models and be able to do so in a way where they can say something like, we have 99% confidence in this because existing methods made it difficult for people to say, you know, we're doing this with 95 or 99% confidence. And, you know, again, that's just, it's a lot more general. We can imagine how it just relates to solving difficult types of problems, something that, you know, meets the need of some user, um, you know, and that, you know, we can engage with. Um, and, you know, as we think about transferring those skills, um, that's also gonna relate to another, another question that comes up in interviews, but again, also another just general principle to keep in mind in our work, um, which is, you know, what makes a particular company, a particular job or a particular role a good fit for us, right? Um, this is a very broad field and people have a lot of different specialties. Um, they work in a lot of domains, they use a lot of different techniques. Um, and, you know, as a result, we want to think about what our specific skill sets are. Have we worked with huge, huge, huge amounts of data? Do we have maybe more software development uh, than other people might? Have we, you know, worked in particular with something like text? Have we done a lot of natural language processing? Have we worked with images or video? Um, or maybe we already have some domain experience. You know, perhaps we've um, also had like a marketing job or, you know, we've had some experience with social media, um, with sales, with supply chain. Um, and in all of these, you know, whether they are those more domain oriented skills, or whether you know, we can talk about collaborating with people who weren't data scientists or statisticians or programmers, you know, 
being able to describe your skill set as it relates to a particular role or the company that you're interviewing with um, is going to be really critical. And you know, part of this is is as you do so, you know, when you talk about your skills, what gets you excited about this job? Um, you also want to talk about you know what gets you excited about again in an in interview setting, the particular company you're interviewing with. You want to be able to show yeah. passion for that company, right? Exactly. Yeah. And of course, it goes without saying, I guess, that that means learning about the business you're interviewing at, right? Try to do your research, learn as much as you can about the company that you are um, interested in or the company you are working at, obviously, right? Um, at an interview stage, you, of course, want to, if possible, know a little bit about the competition as well. If possible, you want to maybe learn about what uh, direction the company might be going into, what kinds of problems the company might be facing just anything that can show this sort of you are interested in this company in particular um, and that you've learned about them and that you kind of are passionate about delivering um, within that company. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, in some cases when we're applying to these kinds of jobs, um, you know, it might also say in the job description, you know, you will be working primarily, let's say with the marketing department. Um, and so, you know, we can also learn about you know, to the extent that we can learn about what the maybe marketing considerations for this company, um, you know, might look like, or what people do in marketing in jobs that aren't just our job. Um, you know, all of this speaks to understanding the problems that we're helping people solve, understanding the decisions that we're helping people make. Um, and, you know, again, this is because the work that we do as data scientists, we don't just build and deploy machine learning models. We don't just perform data wrangling in a vacuum, so to speak, um, but we also have to work with these real life questions. Again, this comes up all the time in our actual work, um, but thinking about this in the context of an interview, you will likely have some sort of case study question at some point, perhaps a separate case study interview. Um, and what is a case study? Well, it can look like a lot of things, in some cases, you might be given a data set that you're actually going to you know, analyze with real data science techniques. But a lot of the time, this works more like a conversation. Your interviewer is going to typically give you some sort of you know, broad business problem, uh, some broad goal that they want you to you propose some analysis for. A lot of the times, this might be very vague. It might not be something like, how can you build a regression model using this data that we have to perform this task so that we can do this? It might be something a lot more like, so you're a data scientist. How do we improve our social media posts based on the data we have or that we can get? Or, hey, we're concerned about you know, the numbers, you know, uh, basically our growth in our user base. How can we... How can we grow our number of users or customers? And you know, our job is going to be to contend with such a, a vague question. That's right. And usually this vague word problem, which is the case study presented to you, um, is vague on purpose, right? And it's your sort of um, task uh, to essentially crystallize that vague world problem into some systematic analysis plan. Uh, during which you also want to keep in mind that you want to focus on high impact solutions, right? Um, and make reasonable assumptions along the way, not be too pedantic or academic about it. But when you are crystallizing this world sort of um, 
vague word problem into something more systematic, something that you can sort of plan into some plan of attack. Um, there is um, something that you want to keep in mind or know about, which is the metrics in business. So uh, you might be familiar with many data science metrics, so metrics that are more technical that you use to evaluate the performance of your models. But when it comes to being in a business setting, it's important to keep in mind what business cares about. And when we talk about metrics in business, essentially the, uh, basically the term for that is um, key performance indicators. So maybe you can talk a little bit about a couple of those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, when it comes to getting familiar with these business metrics, uh, like you said, these KPIs, right? These key performance indicators. Uh, there's a lot of work that goes into this. Again, not in researching our own job titles, right? Our own roles, but you know, researching what people have to do in you know all of the potential collaborating roles, right? That we would be working with. Um, and so, you know, for example, thinking back to uh, some of those you know possible case study questions, you know, how do we improve our social media posts? Um, you know, some of those KPIs we're talking about things like engagement, right? Um, you know, we, and we might think there's some pretty straightforward things in there, like, you know, how many likes are we getting? Uh, how many comments, how many, what's our click through rate? Um, you know, what's our conversion rate, right? And here a conversion is really any sort of positive response that we've defined. Maybe it is someone clicking through to our website. Maybe it's someone buying something from us and maybe in a, you know, particularly, but potentially like an, a different case study question. Um, or, you know, thinking about that user base case study, right? How do we grow our number of users? Well, we might think of, okay, well, we have our net growth, right? Over some period of time, we've, you know, we had some amount of users before, now we have this many. Um, that's one metric we could start with, but maybe we want to break that down. Um, you know, we could think about that net change in the number of users um, in terms of a growth rate. And growth here usually refers to actually the acquisition. You know, how many new customers, new users are we taking on some particular time period? Um, and from, you know, from there, we kind of have to subtract, you know, what's our, what's our churn rate, right? How many people are we losing in some time period? Um, and like you said, you know, since we're trying to crystallize these vague problems into something really specific, something that we can really analyze, you know, in a very quantified way um, that's going to relate to really particular sub-problems. Um, it can be really helpful to split up something into, you know, for instance, acquiring new users or, um, you know, the number of users that we're losing, how we might retain those users. Absolutely. And another thing that we want to keep in mind when we are, of course, first defining the business metric that we want to maximize or minimize, um, we want to keep in mind that we want to essentially propose, right, or, or be able to evaluate also how we can change those, actually. We want to be able to take action, right? You want your project and, and basically analysis or your model to actually be able to do something, right? If I can just sort of uh, tell us what will happen without uh, sort of being able to propose certain things that we could do to change the outcome, we haven't really done much, right? So this is where improving these um, key performance indicators is important thing to keep in mind. Um, essentially, 
improving KPIs means pulling levers. So the things that we can change, identifying what are the things that we can change, what, how can we take action? Um, and that, for example, would be different if we want to acquire new users, right? What should we change about our social media posts to acquire new users versus maybe if I'm interested in keeping the current ones, right? Or minimizing churn might be different levers that I would be interested in pulling um, to basically change those two business metrics that I care about. Um, so maybe we can talk about some of the things I could be pulling in the, our example of the social media posts. What could be our levers? Yeah, totally. Um, one, you know, one kind of distinction I like to make here is, um, you know, when we're thinking about these levers we can pull, right? Like if we're, I guess, you know, in the driver's seat of some big business machine or right? pulling all these levers, trying to get things to happen. Um, you know, we, again, we have those levers. Those are the things we can change. Um, and we also think about controls. This is sort of like the environment that we're in, sort of like in a, you know, we think about an experiment, like a control group and an experimental group. Kind of a funny title because, you know, we might think of levers are everything we can control, controls are everything we can't control. So it can be a little bit confusing, but just, you know, generally speaking, um, we really do want to focus on what we can change, like you said. Um, our analysis should lead to some action we can take. If we can't take some action, if we can't make some decision based on our analysis, you know, kind of like you said, we're just doing something that's interesting instead of useful, um, which kind of, I think comes up a lot when we talk about these topics. But I guess more specifically, if we think about, you know, social media strategy, if we think about improving our posts, and again, maybe we've taken this vague problem, we've crystallized it a little bit, we have some kind of specific metric we're interested in. Maybe we want more people liking our posts or, you know, following or subscribing. Maybe we're trying to improve our click-through rate. If we have, you know, in our post, let's say a link to our website. Um, well, you know, there certainly are a lot of things we can change. Um, some of these are going to be a little bit easier, right? Like, is there a particular time of day, particular day of the week um, that we just in general should be posting? Um, or, you know, maybe slightly more, um, you know, budget oriented. Should we be, you know, allocating our ad spend to particular types of posts, particular topics? Um, or should we be targeting different users? Um, these are ultimately going to be a little bit easier levers to pull. And it's kind of always a good thing if we can make a small, you know, quick to implement, easy change, see some results from that that's probably better than doing something drastic, right? It's probably a little bit better to just something like, I don't know, change who we're trying to show our posts to rather than completely reinventing the way that we write content, completely rethinking everything from the ground up. Clearly there's a bigger, um, you know, it's a little bit higher risk, right? Because it's a greater cost of investment there. Yeah. And when we, Whatever the path we choose to take in terms of our action, we of course want to be able to measure the the impact, right? So again, measuring it in the business metrics. Uh, so in line of this sort of uh, keeping in mind of being relevant to business, uh, we want to make sure that we're measuring the impact in the business metrics, and that might mean needing to translate metrics, right? You might be used to as a data scientist to work in the world of your data science metrics, so metrics like accuracy or um, mean squared error or whatever your model might be doing. So metrics that measure the performances of your model. 
Um, but that's not the metric that you necessarily want to um, communicate to to these stakeholders because it's kind of not very sort of informative, right? If I tell you, oh, my model accuracy improved from 70% to 73%, that really tells me nothing, right? It doesn't tell me anything about what real world impact that has. So as an example of translating metrics, maybe if we're talking about social media posts or ads, um, you would want to translate that model accuracy, for example, into maybe the click rate, right? Can you estimate from, let's say, the 1% increase in your model accuracy, how does it translate into an increase in click rate, right? And then click rate, well, that we really care about, right? I could even go a step further and translate that into, for example, how much a particular user then spends on the website, right? If I know how much particular users will spend, I can actually translate an increase in click rate into how that influences revenue, right? So another thing to definitely keep in mind, you might be working with the data science metrics as a data scientist, but when you are sort of communicating what impact uh, it has, you wanna be translating those metrics into the uh, business metrics that we were talking about before. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, kind of following up on that point about, you know, let's say going from something like accuracy to, you know, that click rate, how many people are responding, let's say to some ads. Um, you know, you're absolutely right that sometimes we, we might be looking at the wrong business metric at first. And, you know, maybe someone comes to us with a case study question, uh, or maybe in our work, you know, the marketing department comes to us and says, you know, how can we improve our click rate? How can we get more people to land on our site? Um, sometimes the role of a data scientist is to keep that conversation going, to investigate or dig a little bit deeper. Is this really what we want to improve? Be careful what you wish for, right? Because if we were increasing our click rate, well, what happens if we were you know, increasing it by all of a sudden reaching a whole bunch of people who are gonna click on an ad and are never gonna buy anything from us. Maybe we actually don't want more clicks, maybe we want better clicks. Maybe we're not predicting, you know, just whether or not someone will respond, you know, will engage, but perhaps whether someone from a particular group will engage, a group that we already know Absolutely. we're interested in. Um, of course, one thing, you know, we could always, try to you know, break this down and at some point might end up being a little bit pedantic about, oh, maybe we should be trying to get like this particular phenomenon and we should, this is really the thing that we're interested in. Um, you know, we do have to worry about overcomplicating things as data scientists. I think, um, you know, perhaps yeah. you can relate Anna, but uh, you know, for me coming from a very formal you know, background in statistics and mathematics, I have a tendency to, you know, I like to engage with with problems in a way that probably does get overcomplicated, um, probably does get a little bit too fine grained. Um, and so- Absolutely, and mm -hmm. take some time to get used to really keeping it sort of simple and focused on, on making an impact, right? On, on making it useful. Yeah, making an impact and making an impact as quickly as possible, right? So something I advise exactly. a lot of people is when we come up with some analytical project we're interested in, um, you know, we can't just right off the bat propose something like really, really crazy sophisticated and just go straight to building that crazy sophisticated thing. 
Um, but we want to figure out a way that, you know, maybe we can build some sort of, not quite a prototype, a little bit further than a prototype, right? Um, you know what we typically call a minimum viable product. Maybe easier to think of as like a minimum valuable product, right? Sort of the smallest, simplest part of some project where if we can get this working, it's useful to somebody. Um, maybe it doesn't have all the really crazy moving parts that we ultimately want to build later on, um, but it does something useful. Um, again, you know, this might mean starting with a more simple model, just doing linear regression um, rather than you know, doing what seems interesting to us, diving straight into using neural networks or something to, I don't know, analyze the pictures we're using in our posts or our ads and seeing how you know, some features of those pictures is giving us more likes or more clicks or follows. And we'll just start with like, well, what are the categories? You know, what are our users look like? Things that we can just right off the bat actually measure, things we maybe can explain to somebody. Exactly. Um, and in particular, we want to sort of not prematurely optimize, right? You might have something that works. Let's try to use it. Let's see what outcome I get if I use what I built so far, right? Maybe it is good enough. I won't know until I sort of build the, the whole product, even if it's simple, to the degree where it's useful, usable, and then I can use it and measure impact again using the metrics we talked about before, right? Well, and then I can see, hmm, maybe we need to optimize a particular part of it. Maybe it is the model that we need to optimize. Maybe it is that if I increase my accuracy by 1%, that increases the click rate by X and, oh, that's exactly what we need, right? Or is it that there's a particular other part of my whole basically project that I should optimize? Um, and I won't know that ahead of time, which is why you really want to avoid premature optimization, but first just build something simple, start small so that you have this minimum valuable product that can be used, is already useful. And then you essentially learn uh, what are the parts that we sort of will give us the best return if we spend a little bit more time or energy or effort or money in optimizing and making better. So another thing that relates to this is essentially um, starting with descriptive analysis before you go, let's say, to much more complex predictive um, analysis or even prescriptive, right? So you would first just basically want to really analyze your data, go with the low hanging fruits, if you will, and uh, see what how far you can get if you just simple first. Definitely. And, you know, with regards to that kind of descriptive analysis, right, if, you know, if we're just like starting to work with some data, if we can find some just like basic broad trend that might suggest we're going to get something out of this analysis, you know, something just like looking at, you know, grouping by some feature and just like looking at some averages or something like that, um, that's going to be really compelling. And it's going to get people on board with the project we want to do. Um, and, you know, like you mentioned, those low-hanging fruits and kind of along this idea of getting people invested in our work, you know, we can also think about putting our skills towards, you know, things like maybe autom automating some task someone else has to do. If you know somebody who is, let's say, having to, you know, build some aggregated report in Microsoft Excel once a week, once a month, like they have to copy and paste a bunch of numbers from one place to another, build a bunch of pivot tables or something like that. It's often the case that this is the sort of task that you could probably automate with a little bit of Python, pandas, um, you know, maybe even creating some visualizations. 
and you know you just run a script or, or they just run a script or maybe it runs completely in an automatic fashion and you know now you've just opened up somebody's work for you know their week now has a couple more hours in it they can do something else something more interesting um but in all of these cases you know this is sort of i think wrapping things up here you know we think about i guess when we think about you know hitting those low-hanging fruit making impacts in simple ways um, we think about helping people make decisions getting people invested in our work i think it points to something really crucial about the field of data science in general right this is a on the one hand, this is a very technical field. Um, we have to work with a lot of sophisticated, you know, uh, technologies, techniques, a lot of very difficult math. Um, but at the same time, it's a very like human facing field, right? Uh, there's a lot of communication and collaboration, uh, knowing how to deliver something useful. And, you know, I really think it's the same way even with just classical statistics, right? How do we persuade people of something? How do we describe evidence? How do we make better decisions? How do we know what decisions actually matter for other people? How do we help them make those decisions? And yeah, again, Absolutely. I guess, I guess, you know, just to wrap all of this up, I think everything that we've talked about today really relates back to that. How do we take all that technical stuff and, you know, use it to enrich other people's work? Could not have said it better myself <laughs> with that. Um, we are out of time. So uh, thank you everybody for listening. This was um, all about the business skills that data scientists should have. Hopefully you found it useful and hopefully we will see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>